Hi and welcome. My name is Josh Stone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. The Ignite podcast is dedicated purely to the engineering and construction industry. Join me as I interview serious change makers, leaders and business owners who are creating significant shifts in the industry, leading inspired teams, running successful businesses and in general making big things happen. As the old saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This podcast is all about bringing like-minded change makers, leaders, and business owners in the engineering and construction industry together to share their stories, their strategies, their ideas, and their mindset on what's working for them right now in order to help you learn from the best, to implement, and to grow as well. Now, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website www.coachignite.com for more resources or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. In the meantime, hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. Today I'm being joined by Phil Latham, mate. Welcome to the call. Hey, hey, how's it going? Very good, mate. Thank you for agreeing to come on the show. No, thank you. So, mate, like I always do, hand over to you to kind of just tell viewers and listeners a bit about you and your journey to date. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, where do you start? I guess I consider myself a pretty normal, typical structural engineer, I guess, with a typical journey. I grew up in New South Wales, still wear the Blues jersey at origin time. Left Sydney in the early 2000s. Spent seven years in London, which was fantastic. Different working cultures, and probably really exposed me to architectural buildings and working with architects and the process of design, which the British are very, very good at. Returned to Australia in 2009 and moved to Brisbane. So I've been in Brisbane since 2009, and first couple of years, first five odd years was. With, with ACOM, helping them build a building structures business in Australia. They didn't have one at the time. So that was, that was a great journey and probably my first real journey of stepping slowly away from projects and literally a little bit more around systems, project delivery, winning work, and I guess the business of consulting. After a great five years there, joined, joined Robert Bird Group, another great business. And yeah, that, that, that was a fantastic journey as well. I guess exposure to you know, some great building projects locally and internationally. And the last couple of years have been with a smaller practice, again, building teams at inertia, which has been just you know, fantastic and in getting down into smaller business, having to get a, fingers into a lot more pies. And I guess really pulling me out, pulling me out of the comfort zone of projects and into yeah the business of consulting. Mate, so good. I've, I've you know you know I've known known each other a while, so there's a fair bit I kind of want to dive into today. We'll sort of see where the conversation goes. Yep. But I guess as a starting point, like what did you notice was the biggest difference between some like obviously Acom, RBG, big big sort of global businesses versus like inertia and i know inertia is has grown significantly over the last sort of 18 months as well at 60 people now 73 inertia. or something yeah that, 
I guess I'm curious, like, what do you notice are the biggest differences between working as like a, you know, team leader, senior sort of engineer, building a team within those those bigger consultancies versus obviously then, you know, getting getting down to the nuts and bolts of a smaller consultancy? I guess the, uh, you know, bigger consultancies and my experience is clearly ACOM, but I imagine it's probably similar to some of the other really large international consultancies is that just really their systems in place mm-hmm. and whether that's timesheet approvals or how their billing cycles work, et cetera. And in the bigger organisations that a lot of those things are taken care of either by dedicated staff, there's dedicated commercial managers, there's really quite well-defined systems and whether they're used or not is a different question, but there's well-defined systems. So I guess in many cases in bigger organisations, the rules of engagement, I guess, of the non the non project stuff is well defined. You know, within within the microcosm of a specific project, I don't think things change very much between firms. A project yep. a project, there's a client, there's a project team. How you interact with them probably don't change too much, but the the biggest changes are really behind the scenes, away from projects of how companies manage themselves, how they report themselves. And ultimately, that falls back to the culture of the companies. When it's funny, when you're in a really, really big, big company, at times you can think you're being overwhelmed by systems and processes and checks and balances. And some of those exist for very specific reasons. Stock exchange listings and reportings and things like that, which don't necessarily relate to to other businesses, but as you change business size, and in my case, from bigger to smaller, you sort of really appreciate why some of those systems are there. And probably more recently, I've had the yeah, I've I've had the fortunate experience to be able to take some of those some of those things I've seen and bring bring them into inertia, and that's been that's been quite rewarding to sort of seeing some of the immediate cause and effect of some quite simple systems that you know, shape how, how we operate. Yeah, good, mate. And I guess, you know, to, to your journey more recently, obviously with inertia, like would you say that those like small businesses more nimble, like you can make decisions more quickly or, or you know, was your experience with the bigger, bigger consulting world also, you know, things can get done quite quickly or were things kind of, do things kind of get bogged down in those systems and processes in the bigger companies, whereas you can make decisions more quickly in the smaller dis- organization yeah i think it's pretty fair to say bigger companies decision making is is slower but i think for good reason they've got very different risk profiles and i don't necessarily think it's company size related i think it's probably more about service offering related okay if i think about my time at robert bird very similar civil structural focus decisions there were were pretty quick Things, things could happen pretty quickly. Where I think about my time at you know, the ACOMs and you know, some of the other larger organisations, it's some of those decisions are more around you know, enterprise-wide aspects, whether it's sure. other disciplines being involved, stepping on other, consult, other clients' toes, some other things which aren't necessarily related to the project, and that's where some of that, that lack of timeliness can creep in. Yeah, good, mate. Okay, I, like I'm curious. Obviously, inertia is the most freshest, freshest. That's not a word. The most recent experience for you, but I'm I'm keen to kind of, you know, your journey has been different along the way. Like, if you look at, 
the AECOM journey, the RBG journey, and obviously you were sort of tasked there with growing growing a team around you. Like, what did you learn? What were sort of some of your biggest takeaways in terms of building team and building business at those those bigger organisations before we then chat about journey at inertia? Yeah. Certainly at ACOM, there was probably a more of a focus on creating some market awareness at the time. I remembered having to talk to lots of architects and project managers and knowing who ACOM were, particularly because they had just brought out the name in Australia at the time. So there was an element of that. Within the business, it was around setting up systems, whether they be CAD drawing systems or how do we choose to use our verification and taking tools that were working in infrastructure, for example, and making them a bit more building specific. And I think a lot of the team building there at, at ACOM was probably similar to at Birds where it was around projects. It was yep. building, building capacity after demand, proving that we needed it. Okay, so win project first and then go and work at how you can deliver it basically. Yep. Yeah, was certainly the focus at ACOM. Robert Bird Group being established and, yeah, being quite established, particularly in Brisbane. It was that same sort of, it was a different dynamic, I guess, just mm-hmm. because of where they were as a business. And it was probably a more sophisticated way of trying to deliver projects. There was a system there, try to work within that. So it was far more about the nuance of resourcing, keeping clients happy, future work, building deeper relationships. Yep. Bird as opposed to, I guess, the awareness type where the new kids on the block at ACOM. Yeah, right. So they were slightly different approaches to, not slightly, quite different approaches to, to talking to the market. Also different approaches to how you recruit staff into a business at ACOM was like we're new, we're growing, we're this, organi- this large organisation. At Robert Bird, it was a lot more of, you know, we are this established practice doing some great work. Come, come join the team. Yeah, right. And inertia, funnily enough, had both of those. At the, at the time when I joined, they were circa 20 people, quite a small business. So there was an element of trying to gain some awareness in the market of who we were yeah. at, at a market level and then also having to do so at an individual recruitment level. We didn't have a, a big corporate name to respond to. Mm. We didn't have at the time the track record of projects to point to, so it was yeah, a different, a, a, a different angle. Our, our success around it has been that yeah, really around our culture. We tried pretty hard to to not be engineers, as, as funny as that sounds. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, we try very hard to yeah to be normal and approachable and all those sorts of things and to you know, genuinely look after our staff. And that's not to say those other practices weren't that, but I guess that was, that was the area that we, that, that we focused. And that led to you know, a lot of inertia of what we do for our staff is about creating opportunity for them. And that's, so I guess that has been a, a different message. A yeah, different I mean, message. yeah, mate. And I guess it sounds like, yeah, like different challenges along the way in terms of it. Like with ACOM, obviously that new, new, like you said, new kids on the block kind of thing, but an existing brand, but building it, bringing it into a new, new market. So there was obviously, I'm sure, existing client relationships 
within the business that you could talk to and go on to it's more like that internal networking if that if that yep. Term, yep. term makes sense in terms of hey we're here what are you doing with your existing clients can we can we mm-hmm. offer a new service to them and that kind of thing versus it sounds like with the inertia side of things it was been really about how do you build that brand knowing that you're really great knowing that you do good work but you've you know it's that it's that start of that journey in terms of getting the name and the brand out there and building from there and not dropping the ball on the way until you're delivering exactly crazy journey though like so you've been inertia three years it's just gone gone three years and yeah 20 21 22 to now 73 um it's massive we doubled in in 2021 during COVID, which is just a phenomenal, scary yep. thing. But no, it's been great. It's been really good fun. Awesome. And that's and that's genuinely that's obviously come from the the nature of the business and the senior, yeah, the managing directors and the directors of the business really supporting that growth and happy to take that that risk. It is a risk. So yeah, and happy for them to go on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, mate. So I guess to to the last sort of three years, like obviously I know your journey is a sort of the, the structural principle. I know there was also a period there, maybe you're still doing it. You took on a civil team lead or civil, uh, looking after one or a couple of the civil teams as well. Yeah. Like maybe tell us a bit about that journey in terms of, yeah, growing the structural team, then having to pivot and look after the civil team and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, of course. Probably, yeah, what has been different from previous roles is, it's been structural focus, but it's been my previous roles have been focused on, I don't know, call it 70, 80, 90% of my time on projects and then touching on other things, whether it be preparing bids, business development, et cetera. For me, this role has been flipped on its head. I'm probably 20, 40% billable, and the rest of my time is in some sort of management function. And a huge amount of that time and effort the last couple of years, particularly as we've grown, has been on organisational structure. Yes, we are primarily civil structural flood as disciplines we, we offer. But within what we call the buildings group, which is effectively a structural group, but not quite, we've got you know, three, three teams in there, housing, industrial and commercial. And each of those teams are obviously far more sector focused, but they've all got their nuances. We have some building designers and hydraulic consultants in there as well. So a lot of my role has been really trying to nurture those teams and get those team leaders in place and that structure in place, allowing them to grow. And and then last the last little while that's extended across into the into the civil disciplines. And that's that was quite an interesting you know, journey for me because it was probably the first time I've had to genuinely manage and nurture a discipline that I'm not intuitively across and I don't know the finer details, which is a remarkably funny thing to say because all structural engineers have civil engineering degrees, but civil engineering is not structural engineering by any stretch. So mm-hmm. um, I agree. So you know, that nuance is actually quite important. So that, that's been quite an interesting journey and the way civil engineers work and particularly there that they use designers, civil designers, which is not a, a skill set that has a structural variance of. So that's, that's very different. 
And the period of when they do a lot of their work is it tends to be a lot more front end compared to structures. And they've got a very different way of managing the, the construction phase. So getting my head around all those aspects has been, you know, been quite interesting and quite an eye opener. Yeah. And I know, obviously, like you and I were sort of working together in one of my programs during that period. Mm. And I remember you having to go through that sort of period of letting go and trusting as a team because you're right like I, you, you, I remember you were saying like I don't like I understand enough about civil to kind of have a conversation but like I don't like you said I'm not intrinsically across that the calcs the lots sort of stuff and then so can you talk us through that sort of phase mm. for you in terms of letting go having to trust the team what that was like for you absolutely yeah, I guess yeah, as a structural person, you can sort of watch the correspondence and watch the stuff go forwards and back and you've got an inkling or you've got a strong sense of whether it's going the right way or not and you've got a sense of when to dive in or not. And, you know, that art of delegation is is genuinely tough or I believe it's tough. I've not found anyone who's found it easy, but I find, I've found it quite tough. And to my mind, I think the hardest part of delegation Certainly, something you're doing that you that you're in control of is is that trust element. Ultimately, you're asking someone else to do something with the implicit and unstated aspect that whatever you do and give back to me, I can review it, etc. But I've ultimately got to trust what you've given me, and I'm going to give it to someone else, and I've got to carry the can for it. And yeah, that takes a bit of the self-reflection to get through. Yeah. And I guess ultimately to, you know, I guess the pen, two, two aspects of that dropped for me was firstly, rightly or wrongly, that is the consulting model. That is what consulting engineering is about. If you don't subscribe to that model, you work as a lone consultant, whether within an organisation or by yourself. So any element of, trying to grow and have responsibility in business relies on that leveraging model and that leveraging model relies on delegation. So there's, there was an aspect of, well, this is the only way, I guess. But probably the more overarching aspect is, well, if I don't trust them to be, if I don't trust them, I should just you know, tap out. I'm in the wrong gig. Um, yep, you've got to trust your staff. If you don't trust your staff, that's non-negotiable. You don't get out of bed. But then for me, there's a really important nuance there. It's not about trusting them to get it right. It's about trusting that they're trying their best to do it right and just accepting that there will be hurdles, there will be things which are wrong. And, yeah, just accepting that. And I was lucky enough many years ago to get some advice around delegation, which I subscribed to very heavily, and it was that when you delegate something out, you you have to accept that there's about 10% of what you give them is just going to be flat out wrong. So ask Josh, can you go book me a holiday? And 10% of that's going to be wrong. You're going to choose an aisle seat instead of a window seat. And that's just wrong. I've got to accept that. Yep. And 20% of it's right. 20% of it's 100% right. That yeah, you, 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 you booked a trip to Hawaii. Cool, fantastic. And I've, that's great. That's what I expected back. But where the really difficult part is the is a 
and the 70% is different. It's not wrong. Not the way I would have done it, but it's not wrong. And anyone outside of you or me wouldn't have known the difference. So you book different dates by a date than I would have liked and you chose a different carrier and you booked a hotel across the road. But it's, it has no net impact. It doesn't affect a holiday. No one else knows. And it's my own personal prejudices that generate that 70%. And coming to peace with that's hard. And when you come to peace with that, with the delegation, I think that gets a lot easier. Just about saying, I'm unhappy with this, but does it matter? Is it me that's unhappy with it or is this a genuine problem? So once I've got my head slowly around that, and that's been, that's not a, that hasn't been a slow journey. That's been a journey in the literal years and years. I guess that when I overlay that with other disciplines, very similar things, like do I trust that they're trying their hardest to do it? Well, yes. If I don't, there's a, that's a very, very different discussion, thought process. And then, yeah, let's focus on the outcomes. And, and is that like an intuitive thing, mate? Like is that like a, like a, What's the word like in a character? Like if you think about your role looking after the civil team, and I imagine there were some team leaders in there that you had to sort of, you knew them because you were working with them, but you had to kind of intrinsically assess yourself whether you whether they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Can I trust them? And you know, is the seventy percent that they're doing gonna gonna be gonna be right? Because you know, you you're you don't know that that seventy percent is right or wrong if you don't have an awareness of that particular discipline. So is that like a intuitive thing a trust thing do you get to know the person a bit better like what's your if you reflect on that what was your what was your process there to kind of get comfortable with the delegation piece to the team a lot of it's ad hoc discussions with people it's 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 reading the room for want of a better word in terms of how do other people interact with them how do other people comment on what they're doing are clients happy with them are they winning more work? Are they not? Et cetera, et cetera. I guess a lot of my role at time was just around helping them help their teams mm-hmm. and some of the reporting functions, I guess. Some, well, certainly not getting involved in the projects. That's, that, that's their domain. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's difficult. You never really know incompetence for want of a better word. But yeah, I've been very lucky here that I've been surrounded by nothing but competent people. Yeah, um, good. But which certainly makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it's not always so. It's, it's not always smooth, and there's yeah a few bumps and scrapes along the way. But yeah, those bumps and scrapes come out of people who are passionate about what they want to do. And in reality, you go in the same direction, and and bumping shoulders going the same direction, not trying to go different directions. And I think sort of just trying to remind yourself of that, of those little, the little scuffles we all have was that, well, are we trying to do different things or are we actually just, yep. just, just actually step on each other's toes, going the right direction and yeah. just trying to pull out and just see that bigger picture. And do you think it's more EQ than IQ in terms of that role, like that sort of that emotional intelligence, emotional awareness, that kind of connecting with the team, like you said, you know, the, the conversations and the the connection and kind of understanding their personality style. Do you think that sort of supported you more than just being a smart dude? 
Well, I hope so, because I'm not a smart dude. I think it's it's all about communication. I think it's all yep. about your how you deal with people, knowing when to step away, choosing your battles, reading the room. I think it's also as much about creating the right environment. Yep. I think it's very hard to say we're going to have a meeting and I want all everyone in the room to this is a safe place and be open. You just can't do that. Like you've got to take people through through that and create that environment. Tell, uh, tell me more about that. Like, is that a is that a conscious thing that you work on, or something you feel like comes to, comes to you naturally in terms of, in your words, creating the right environment? I don't know you probably have to ask other people about that. It's something I'm conscious of, I guess. Yep. To, to put in that context. But you think about it as you go into those interactions or you set up those meetings, you actually yeah. think about, yeah, good. Yep. And, you know, if I think about that role where I was looking across civil and structural was, you know, bringing in some meetings which only had those leaders and myself and no one else from the business and saying, well, this is how I want this team, this meeting, I want this meeting to be not me talking about, about you guys bouncing off ideas around one another and how do you want to grow and what works and doesn't. And it took a little while. It didn't happen the first week or the second week, but over time we got there. Yeah, trust is a two-way thing. I've got to earn it from others. And yeah, we all have our own sort of inhibitions and don't want to talk. So, But no, it's, it's an awareness thing. Yep. And, you know, you mentioned personalities. Different people need to be told information in different ways. Some people want to be public, publicly recognised for the good work they do. Other people just want a quiet tap on the shoulder and, you know, thanks. And, yeah, dangerous place when you conflate the two. <laughs> so. That's right. And, again, is that something that you think about consciously around looking at your different team leaders or the people around you? And, you, have, you know, is that something that you think about? That's this person's personality style. I know that they're not great with, you know, being in the spotlight, I need to go and have yeah. quiet words with them versus yeah, so. that person can take robust feedback. Yeah, no, very much so. No, very much. You've got to be very conscious of how you interact with, with different people. And that's probably hardest when it's a group environment. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, well, if you ignore it, I think it's to your peril, frankly. And I think it catches up with you pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, it's, it's funny, like the conversations I'm having most frequently at the moment with, uh, my coaching clients are around the EQ piece, around that, you know, your your level of intelligence only gets you so far in mm. your engineering career. Like at some point when you start to look after people, when you even when you start to manage projects, it's more about it's more about the EQ. It's more about, okay, who is the client sitting across the table from me? How do I tailor my approach or the way that I communicate to them in a certain way to get the best out of the interaction? Who is who's on my team around me? And do we have a you know, a, a good robust team of different personality styles and strengths and stuff. And so it's just, you're right, mate, it's, it's to your peril to not think about that sort of stuff the more you progress your career into leadership roles, to running your own business, what have you. I think you, you alluded to something there, which I think is pretty important, Josh, and it's something you've said to me before. So, but it's the skills that got you to where you are today, they won't necessarily take you further and they can actually hold you back. So... Yeah. I think that goes to your IQ, EQ question. I think it's very, it's not very, it's, it's the normal trajectory for people in certainly my discipline in the first part of their career to 
is to be the IQ, hardworking bee, get good quality, refined stuff out. That's where you work. That doesn't translate to running teams or running businesses in the, in the same way. Not at all, mate. Not at all. So I guess, yeah, like we've kind of covered leadership and culture. I guess I wouldn't mind talking to you now about like client relationships and also just kind of where you see the industry going. Going like I've just I'm just fresh off a group coaching session with everyone in one of, in one of my programs, and we're talking about you know the market, what's happening, and all that sort of stuff. And some clients who are in certain sectors are a little bit nervous about. So sorry, some of my clients who are in, who play in certain sectors are nervous about that that drying up. Have you at a like a director level or a sort of senior leadership level talked about that and you know any plans in place or sort of any any advice to to listeners and viewers who are you know a little bit nervous about where the market might be going? Yeah. Yeah. I don't my crystal balls no better than anyone else's. Yeah. Um, the I think the first important thing is context. Like the context from an organisation with 50, 100,000 people is clearly different to the context of, of inertia. Mm-hmm. If I think about it, the context of inertia, so a southeast Queensland-based business, medium size, we're 70 people, and the sort of sectors we, we, we focus on, we see nothing but positivity and we see nothing but positivity for the next eight to 10 years. We get that from a couple of different aspects. We probably, like many people, run off our feet at the moment. We don't see any large, large-scale levers, government policy type things that can change a, a shortfall of resources in the short to medium term. Mm-hmm. So, getting staff, getting the right staff, getting skilled staff, or just getting any staff to train. Yeah. Yeah, so unless there's a significant change of a lever on that um, at a policy level or government letter level, we're clearly on the back, backdrop of the Olympics. That's yep. that, and the amount of work that's going to happen around that. Government spending in, like in health, for example, that's been that's been touted. So yeah, I guess we're certainly not seeing anything of of concern. I guess, and I guess that's. Yeah, mindful that's looking through a lens of a couple of years ago, we didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. I think there's aspects of industry which are certainly more, more fickle and responsive. I think if, I guess, the domestic housing part is probably the one that comes to mind. That tends to be a, must, a part of the market that reacts very quickly to interest rate changes, for example. For sure. But I don't think that changes at a macro level. I think the construction industry overall will be busy. And if, if there's some sort of slowing down of that sector, which I don't think there will be in the housing sector in, in Queensland, personally, it'll just, people will work and move on to something different. I can't, I can't say that I've got any confidence in knowing exactly what I'll be working on in a period of time in terms yep. of a sector. Mm. But I certainly feel there's, an, there's enough out there of lots of different types. You know, Defence hasn't been able to spend its budget for how many years now. There's an Olympics coming. There's a big health push happening. 
developers are saying they're running out of land to buy. Like we're hearing all these things which are positive from a demand level, i.e. there's more demand to be, to, to be met. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I guess that, that, that at a macro level. Good. No, mate, I just wanted to sort of pick your brains and get your insight on it. And you're right, like it is, you've got to look at this stuff through the lens of, of context in terms of where's your business, where's your team, what market sector do you play in, are you in South East Queensland with the Olympics coming up in, you know, 10 years' time? Like it's about looking at your your world and making a sort of informed decision about what to do. And certainly, right. yeah, most of the clients I'm talking about, talking to and with in South East Queensland are very bullish. Well, I guess there's a, sorry, something I will jump in and say is I think traditionally, say, over the last 10 years, three sectors of the last 10 years which have been very buoyant and driven a lot of growth being capital works in resources, yep. tertiary education, whether it's capital works, student accommodation, but all the stuff to do with tertiary education and tourism, all of those are nowhere near their pre like they're still building with a long way to go. And so if they come back on stream, international international migration and international tourism, like they're all adding to the current demands. Yeah, yeah. No, no, mate, thank you for your your insight there. You know, just like to pick people's brains about that. I think we're all going to be busy, Josh. I will have Josh. Mate, good, great, love it. Uh, last question, mate. So obviously we've talked a lot about your career to date and sort of all the things that you've kind of learned. Like obviously there's been a whole bunch of lessons, learnings, whether you call them failures, I prefer to talk to them as, as, as lessons. But if you sort of take all that knowledge and you get to sit down for a coffee or a beer with the 10-year uh, younger version of yourself, what advice would you impart on, on that person in terms of as they look forward to their life and their career? Yeah, good, a good question. Yeah, probably the first one that immediately comes to mind is, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. I guess, you know, that sort of, I'm telling myself if something comes up, is this going to matter in 30 minutes? Is it going to matter in three hours? Is it going to matter in three days? Is it going to matter in three yeah. years? Just contextualise whatever you're dealing with. That's definitely one. For those of the people that, that know me quite well, I can be quite detail-oriented sometimes and I can be rather bullish at times. Where I'm going this is you don't underestimate the importance of people around you. Yep. And whether that's nurturing them, whether that – and. Just, just, just across the board, you know, everything yeah. we do, it's not about calculations. It's not about drawings. It's about communicating. If you can't communicate effectively, whether that's via a drawing or a report or yeah. with, with people directly, if you can't get, get your message across, you've lost, you've lost, you've lost. So you've got to be able to communicate effectively. <laughs> and the third one is, yeah, you, it's about the journey. You've got to enjoy the journey. It's not about being somewhere in five years. That's, yeah, I'm still probably learning that one a little bit. But, yep. you know, when you're a little kid, you want the biggest, newest Lego set and what do you do when you've got it? But, yeah, enjoy the journey. <laughs> mate, unreal. Phil, thank you for coming on the, on the podcast today, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. 
made all the best for for the future and your you know the continuing journey so mate thank you again cheers josh really appreciate it thanks for your time it's been great easy mate talk to you soon cheers hi there thanks so much for tuning in i hope you enjoyed the episode as much as i did don't forget if you'd like some help growing yourself your team or your business even faster head over to my website www.coachignite.com for more resources We'll book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. Don't forget also to hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Take care, my friends, and see you again soon.